You know, we've, got, uh, we've got an eternity to celebrate, and uh, we, begin cel- we begin that celebration today. And uh, this sermon begins with Wednesday night. <laughs> we were talking about uh, being, you know, having Christ as our Savior, and can we walk away from that? Can we not walk away from that? And I was, I was thinking of this message or these scriptures, and I don't think so much of walking away from God. I think of what it means to be lost <laughs> and what it means to be found. And what, is it, what does it mean that I have Christ in my life and how that God is part of who I am? And if I am found, then I am living for God and I am living with God and living with his presence and his word. So we think of lost. Um, <laughs> I deal with, you know, uh, many times I deal with uh, terminal situations with uh, people who are on their deathbed. And uh, sometimes it's sad, to, very sad to be with individuals. And um, one I'm reminded of is this individual who is on the, you know, with their loved one who is dying, and they're almost got a hold of them and shaking them and saying, you need to say the sinner's prayer. <laughs> you need to say the sinner's prayer. Pastor, me, pray with him. Make, make him or her, make them pray the sinner's prayer. It's like, I, you know, we should have thought of this before now. <laughs> You know, we should have thought of this before this moment in time. Uh, and the, the, the problem was that they knew enough that they needed their life in order with God. But the whole time that I've ever known these individuals, they've never been in church. They've never come to hear the word of God, never come to be part of any fellowship, be part of any congregation, be part of anything. But they knew enough that when it was time to leave this life and go to the next, they needed to be saved. They needed Christ to save them. And we look at our life, so what does it mean to be lost? What does it mean to be saved? Or to be a son? Or to be found? Well, Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 11. This is a story that we are all very familiar with, and I'm reading it out of the Message Bible, and I'm going to just kind of expound on it as we go uh, and, and see what happens. Then he said, and this is the young man, we call it the prodigal son, the son who basically runs off. So what does it mean to be lost? Well, here we have what it means to be lost or disassociated. There was once a man who had two sons. The youngest, the younger said to his father, I want right now what's coming to me. All right. Here is the beginning of lost. I want what I want, and I want it now. (laughs) I want what I want, and I want it now. And we look at this life, and people look look at life. These are my talents. You know, we have other stories about the talents, the one who hid them and buried them, the one who used them for, um, uh, invested them, and they came back multiplied over. I wonder how many people are in the used to call it the rock and, wor- rock and roll world, uh, or the hip-hop world, or the, I don't know what it's called now. Any, any thoughts? Whatever it's called now. How many of them began in church? 
How many of them began with their talents being used for God, and then somewhere along the line, they shifted? <laughs> they went in a different direction. They had talents. And now, the, the idea is that, you know, um, it isn't that God cannot use us in many different avenues. It's that the avenue that God uses us in is where he is directing our lives. So here is a person, I want what I want, and I want it now. These are my talents, these are my gifts, and these are the way that I want to use them so that I can get what I want. Did you notice the, the I, me, my <laughs> mentality? This is mine, and you can't have it. This is what I was, I was born with this, and it's mine. These are my talents. This is my ability to sing, to speak, to draw, to take pictures, to, you know, talents. <laughs> my, these are mine, and I am going to use them for my benefit and my intelligence, and we get it? This is the son who is lost. And it's selfish, it's prideful, and it's disobedient. So being lost begins with I, me, and mine belonging to I, me, and my, and I will take from you what belongs to me and use it for me. So the Father, God says to us, to that person, the Father says, and this is the illustration, this is the illustration that Jesus uses to help us understand the Father, what God is like. This is the story that Jesus is telling us that helps us get a perspective and a picture of what God the Father is like and what God's attitude towards us is like and how that God will give us what we want. <laughs> Be careful for what you pray because you may end up with it. God may give you exactly what you are, uh, what we are bellyaching about and complaining about and dreaming after and whatever our goals sometimes can be reached by our own efforts it's like john maxwell he says that we get to the top of the ladder only to recognize it's against the wrong it's against the wrong building you know and i think of that in our lives we can be striving for the best and getting to the top but if it's not what god wants for our life we're at the wrong building so the father divided the property between them and it wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. <laughs> I got to get out of this place. It's the last thing I ever do. <laughs> that was a rock and roll song from the 60s, somewhere in there. Uh, that I've got to get out of this place. Why? Because this place is so confining. My life is so confined by the restrictions and by the rules and by the regulations of my father. Did you ever think that we are sold a wrong bill of rights, that we are, we are propagated, we are advertised to, that, what, that somebody's trying to control our life and our destiny, and it's not God. You look at the advertisements, you look at the world, what is the perfect woman supposed to look like? What is the perfect man supposed to look like? And what is the happiest relationship supposed to look like? All you have to do is watch TV. 
<laughs> All you have to do is sit down and watch a soap opera. You know? Or a game show. <laughs> and what are we propagating? What are we sold? What are they giving to us? What are they telling us? Very, very, I don't know of any that sit down and say, this is the right way to live. This is what, if you live a wholesome life and you have problems, you have a God who can help you. We don't see that in our society. We don't see that on the front of magazines. We don't see that on the front of newspapers. We don't see that in television. We, have, we see the crimes and the, 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 uh, the impossible things that people can dream of to do to hurt someone else. And, and we say, what's wrong with our society? What's wrong with them? Well, somewhere along the line, they packed their bags and they, lift, they left for a distant country. They left for a place that they thought was going to bring them happiness and joy and fulfillment. And guess what? They didn't find it. And in their undisciplined and unappreciated life, they found themselves destroying someone else's life to the extent that they have been destroyed. You know, and that's the challenge for us as Christians. People are going to try and rob you of your joy. People are going to try and rob you of your patience. <laughs> Has anybody had anyone trying to rob you of patience lately? <laughs> you know, the people who are, you know, what do you want and what are you here for, you know? And uh, why did you call me? I didn't. You called me. <laughs> you know, well, why did you show up? Why did you answer? Why, you know, there's this challenge. You're there for something, and it's like you're interrupting their, their, their life by being there. And you see, they packed their bags, and they went to a distant country, and they found themselves in want. <laughs> and we showed up in requesting something, and it's like, you know, you're an intrusion on my life. Well, there's, as this young man arrived in this distant, distant country, there in this distant country, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. So he went through, he had a bunch of money, and he had a bunch of things, and he lost it. Did you know that the person... The, um, I, I used this illustration before, but the people who are the major winners in lotteries, that they in five years are bankrupt. <laughs> in five years, they're totally bankrupt. That no matter how many millions of dollars they win, they're not set for life because that's way out of who they are as a person. And they, haven't, they, don't, even know, they don't know how to use that money. They don't know how to live with that change. And they long for the life that they had before and they lose everything to go back to it. <laughs> Except it's worse. So here he was in this distant country and he has wasted his life. Because in this wasting of life, he was trying to find his happiness. In his wasting of his, have his resources, he was trying to find something that was missing. And it wasn't the... The thing that he was missing was the very thing he rebelled against. His father's household. His father's love. His family. 
and he rebelled against all those things that were sacred to his family and to his father because he had to go somewhere, and his father said, go right ahead. And there are people who will take what they've got and they will go spend it, these athletes and whomever, and the people who want to be more than what they are, they will try and find some way to achieve this shortcuts. Shortcuts. <laughs> you know, um, counseling, or being with counseling, yeah, being counseling, I guess, individuals who have been um, sellers, makers and sellers of drugs. I did this, this was a long time ago. And uh, the guy said, show me some place where I can take home a bag of money every day and do nothing for it. <laughs> you know, show me another place that I can do that. And he said, so I'm going to make and sell drugs, and it doesn't matter if they put me in prison, because I'll just learn how to be better at it, because there's all those people who got, that are in prison, they know how to do it better than what I was doing, and I can learn from them, and I won't get caught. And, you know, so we look at this and we create this society that money has to be there in order for us to what? Arrive at some place of satisfaction. The lifestyles of the rich and famous. If we can make more money and have more things, we will be happy. Well, here's the guy. He took everything he had. You see, this fits right into our lifestyle. It fits right into our society, and it could be used in our modern-day advertising field. And after he had gone through all this money, there was a bad famine, so everything fell apart, <laughs> including his wealth and uh, the people who were his friends that he had purchased, you know? So his wealth, his talents, his body, his personal respect, everything was gone. A bad famine, and he began to hurt. <laughs> when people hurt... You see, we wonder, well, when, were people, when, when do people change? When you hurt enough to change, you will change. If you never hurt enough, you won't desire change. So if you are, if, if um, <laughs> I was thinking of uh, well, on the farm, if uh, the, the cow is standing on your foot, you desire change immediately. <laughs> Okay, you desire change immediately. Why? Because I am in pain. Get that cow off of my foot, you know? Move it, and you're pushing and whatever, trying to get out from underneath that. So if you want somebody to change, just create a lot of pain in their life, okay? You know, it's just like that. Well, anyhow, this guy began to hurt. He signed on with a citizen and those, and, and there who, um, signed on with a citizen there, who assigned him to his field to slop the pigs. Now, <laughs> he's Jewish. <laughs> pigs are forbidden. He's never had anything to do with them. But you see, he is so hurt by hunger, <laughs> his pride... He, he had the best of clothes. He had the best of servants. He had the best of places to live. He had the best of everything. And now he has nothing to the point that he's wearing rags and he's feeding pigs. And he was so hungry he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop. He would have eaten what the pigs were eating, but they wouldn't let him. 
because the pigs were more valuable than he was. He would have eaten what the pigs eat, but they couldn't sell him to get money, so you can't eat what they eat. If you die, that's not a problem. We're going to keep the pigs. <laughs> so he can't even eat what the pigs eat. He's not allowed. He's not allowed to eat what the pigs eat because he's not worth it. <laughs> so how long does it take for some people to recognize they're lost? Well, it brought him to his senses. And what is sense? Sense is the ability to understand something. Now, whenever he was at home with his father and his family, and he was saying, you know, they would say, you know, you've got a good life. You've got it good right where you're at. What do you think his response was? <laughs> you've got it good right where you're at. You've got the best life. If somebody else had your life, they would say they are blessed right out of their socks if they have what you have. And we say to them, no, I want. I, me, my, am in need. And so he finally got the picture, came to his senses, and he said, all these farm hands Working for my father, sit down to three meals a day. My dad takes care of his servants with three meals a day, and these people won't even let, let me eat with the pigs. Here I am starving to death. Well, my sense tells me I'm going to go back. You see, when we recognize that we're lost and we don't have a sense of direction, we need to first of all sit down and figure out where we're at and exactly where do we want to go on from here? How do we want to go on from here? And this is where you and I come in, is that there are so many people out in the world around us that we are with, they have no sense of direction, they have no sense of what, which way is home, and which way is up, and they are totally lost. But for your words and your relationship and who you are as a person. You know, our, some of our family that were there yesterday, my family, they are totally lost. They are so lost, they haven't got a clue where they're at. Because they told me they were lost <laughs> by how they live, what type of lifestyle they lived. They're lost. But you know, there were so many people there, they felt uncomfortable because there were so many people who are Christian in that group. They didn't feel that same place that same, they felt that they were lost. And I know that. And you see, sometimes people don't like you around because you help them see things that they don't want to see. They're lost. And so you never allow somebody to steal your joy. You never allow someone to steal your patience. You never allow someone to steal from you what God has given you. You never allow someone to take from you what God has given you. And you know what? And it's almost like we have to make a declaration. We have to draw the line in the sand and say, I'm not going over to where you're at. I don't care what you do, what you say. God has given me peace, and I'm going to be at peace. God is giving me happiness and joy in my heart and my spirit. I'm not going to give it away. And no matter what you say, I am going to be happy. <laughs> No matter what you say, I'm going to make it. No matter what you say, God has a plan for this, dis, this upheaval, this 
problem or whatever it is, God has a plan, and I'm going to stick to the plan. And what's the plan? I know God has a plan. (laughs) But what is the plan? I know God has a plan, and I'm with him, and he's with me, and we're going to work this out. God has a plan. Okay, so I'm starving. I'm going back to my father. I know what I'm going to do. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God and I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. He got right up and went home to his father. He was found at that moment. He found himself when he found the direction of his life. He was found. See, his life changed from being lost to being found when he found the relationship that he had been longing for with his father was the best of relationships, the best of positions, the best of places to be was with his father. And so he turned and, went and he turned to go home. And so when he was still a long way off, his father saw him. What this says to us is God the Father is always looking for us. He loves you so much he can't take his eyes off of you. He loves you so much he wants, he's just waiting for your heart and our heart to turn towards him. And he's there in a moment. He's running down the road and he's coming out. He wants to embrace us. He wants to bestow upon us gifts and his ring and his blessing and all this. He wants to bestow it upon us. He wants us to be part of his family. Is there something wrong with God that he would want us? Want me? No, because he sees in each of us, he sees in each of us the gifts, the talents, the spirit that he has given us, the life that he has put before us. He sees how that that can take us and mold us and help us to become what we thought we were going to find whenever we left. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran out and embraced him and kissed him. This is Jesus telling us about God the Father whenever we come to our senses. The son started his speech, but the father knew the heart before the words were spoken. (laughs) See, that's why when people have a lot to say, God knows the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And sometimes we get mixed up and tongue-tied and don't say the right prayers or don't know how to pray. What are you saying in your heart? That's what God hears. Not how you put the sentence together and how you put the, the structure together. What are you saying in your heart? Whether it's just a, a word or two or whether it's pages, whatever, whatever you're saying in your heart, that's what God hears. That's where the desires lie, in the heart. The heart desires, and God, what does he say? He will meet the desires of our heart. So what is it that you're wanting? What is it that your heart is longing for? What is it that you were made for? It wasn't for running off to a far country and living in sin and, you know, all the other stuff that our society is saying, this is where happiness lies, in the drunken stupor. Yeah, I got so drunk, I don't even remember what I did. Okay. (laughs) 
that's where we want to live, right? No, God has a, he wants us to, you know, he wants us to be living our life in, in, the, in the power of the Spirit and in the, the Word and the, how that God is going to move within, our, and within us and change us into his image. Father, I've sinned. <laughs> I don't deserve. But see the difference? I want mine. I want what's coming to me. I'm going to use it and spend it my way. Now, <laughs> I don't deserve. I've sinned. He recognized the failure of his thoughts and his attitude. Father wasn't listening. Why? Because he knew the heart. He was calling to the servants, quick, bring a clean set of clothes, dress him. Did you notice that we are clothed in the robes of righteousness? <laughs> that we are changed, our spirit is changed, we're dressed differently? We're dressed in the spirit, in, in, in the word of God, in the clothes that God, the armor of God, shield of faith, breastplate of righteousness, sword of the spirit, the, uh, your head, the helmet of salvation, the, the girdle of righteousness. <laughs> feet, feet are shod with the gospel of peace. Peace stabilizes us as we stand in battle. Hmm? We got a whole different outfit that we're wearing. He says, give him, put some clean clothes on him. He has nothing but rags. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to eat. <laughs> We're going to have a feast. All the, hang all the angels of heaven rejoice when one comes back. The lost is found. My son is here, given up for dead, and he's now alive. We're found. We're alive. We're alive in God's spirit. And they began to have a wonderful time. Oh, it's great. And then along comes us. The, we, we, the pew setters, <laughs> the, uh, we, the, the, no, the nominal people who have, nominal, I mean me, we've been in the church all our lives. You know, we've been in the church all, you know, when Joel Osteen took over his dad's ministry, I thought, God, that isn't fair. He hasn't paid his dues. I have been on home missions churches. I have gone where no one would go before not Star Trek. I've gone where no man goes before. I've lived in upper northern Maine where no one would live and planted a church. I went to another community and I planted a church and here he is. His dad has a church and he goes up there and becomes a preacher and everybody knows him and he's wonderful. Now, all this time his older son was out in the field and when the day's work was done he came in and as he approached the house he heard the music and dancing and he called over one of the house boys and asked what's going on he told him you know your younger brother <laughs> the one who skipped out of town and left you with all the work <laughs> you know the one who he, he took his money that should have been yours could have been yours He's the younger brother, and it's a double inheritance, and he got yours and plus his, and he went, and he was living it up in sin. You see how it happens to us sometimes, or maybe not to you, but how in our life? Did you ever become frustrated with somebody else's life that you didn't get what they got? 
you don't have what they have, and sin, people have gone off into sin and experienced the wonderful things of life out of this world, and they've come back, and you see how we have been deceived in our own thinking. Sometimes we're deceived in that your good is more important than somebody else's sinful life. And somebody may get into heaven at the last moment before they die, but that doesn't mean they lived a life that was meaningful. They may, make, they may get to heaven, but the meaningful purpose of life is what you do, we do with God every moment of every day of all the years that we've been in church and all the, you see, I was, I, was, I was in church when I wasn't even a week old. My mom and grandma took me to church. I've been in church I would almost say I, it probably isn't two or three weeks put together that I haven't been in church. In a month, you know, if I miss church four times in a row in my entire life, I don't know if it's happened. Since I was seven, since I was seven months old, or seven months old, since I was a week old, I don't think I ever missed church. Then when I was growing up as a teenager, it was Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and if they had special services, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> so, you know, I've been in church all my life. And you think, you know, sometimes you sit back and you go, hmm, what about them people? What about them people? Did they pay their dues? But you see, this is what's going on with the older son. He is somehow, he's somehow like, I'm somehow like him sometimes. That there are people who get ahead and I didn't get ahead. What's God doing? Does he know that I stayed? I stayed out of? I stayed away from? I stayed close to God? Does he remember, does he remember when all of my friends, when I was in college, you know, there were, there were no Christians that I knew of. Not, not Bible school, in college. There were no Christians that I knew of. And all of my best friends were um, drunk every weekend. That was your best friends? Yeah. My best friends were drunk every weekend. And they would always invite me to go with them. And I said, no, I can't go. But I'd put them to bed when they came home. <laughs> I'd put them in bed whenever they came home, and I wouldn't go with them, and I'd get up Sunday morning and go to church. And all of these, you know, and these were my friends. You know, and these were the people that I knew, and they depended on me to take care of them. Now, why? I don't know. But you see, you see, calling over one of the boys, he says, he told me, your brother came home, your father has ordered a feast, a barbecued beef and, uh, and with hot wings, and uh, because he was, he was home, he's come home safe and sound, and the older brother stalked off in angry sulk, refusing to join in. 
You see, sometimes we feel like, now see, we know there's a difference between lost and found, and there's lost and then there's found, and then there's sometimes, sometimes we lose focus. Maybe you don't. (laughs) But sometimes I'm tempted to lose focus (laughs) about what other people get and don't get and what, you see, some, and we stalk off. And what happens when we stalk off? Sulking. Because we have, we're hurt. We want something more than what we got. And brother got what he wanted and he went off and he, he, at least he spent it and he had, he had a good time doing it. <laughs> See, that's the lie of sin. The lie of sin is they went off and they had a good time and we never got to have a good time. You see, that's the lie. The good time is that we never knew what it was like to be in the pig pen trying to eat what the pigs didn't. You see, we know what it's like not to, we don't know what it's like to have missed the pigsty. We don't, we never experienced wallowing in the mud of the pigs in the mire of sin. And see, and, and it goes on here, and this is where we want this world. The old issues, <laughs> the spoiled brother. He left me with all the work, and now he comes home, probably wants my share now. His father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. <laughs> what do you think the father would have tried? What do you think the father would have tried to say to him? What do you think the father would have tried to do to console his brother because his brother is getting a party and he never had one? Because he never left. You know, sometimes we've been hard on this guy, and I've been very hard on this guy many times, this older brother, but I've never spoken about it this way. So what do you think the father tried to tell him? What do you think the father would tell you or me whenever we're thinking those people in sin are having fun? (laughs) What do you think, what what would God tell us to console us? The son said, Look how many years I've stayed here serving you, never giving you a moment of grief. I've been good. But you have, have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? Have you ever felt used and forgotten? Unappreciated. You ever felt that way? You ever felt tired of doing good? Well, the elder son has a good reason for his feeling neglected. But here's the most important part. Then this son of yours, oh, this isn't the most important part. This is the the older brother. Then this son of yours, who has thrown away your money on prostitutes and whores, shows up and you go all out with a feast. Then his father said, and this is the most important part, son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time, and everything that is mine is yours. What we neglect to think about is the joy that God has placed in our heart has never left. The happiness that God has placed in our heart doesn't matter and doesn't vary with happenings. The place that God has reserved for us in heaven has never been questioned. We've never found ourselves in need or of want 
because our Heavenly Father has taken care of us. The hurt of being at the pigsty, we've never experienced. Everything that God has is ours. And what God has blessed us with is every opportunity that this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. It doesn't matter what happens. It knows that God is in charge. That everything, all things work together for good to those who love God. So no matter what the problem is, I've got good coming my way. So no matter how bad things are, it isn't bad at all. If I die in this world, it doesn't matter. I'm going to heaven. I never have the fear of being lost because God is with me. He is always by my side. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. His word shines upon our path. His light is in our soul. His, his, his creativity is in our heart. And that his love was with us. You see, I want you to know something, son. You're with me all the time and everything that is mine is yours. Hmm. The value of knowing God adds value to our lives every day. You have everything. The value of coming to church. The value to add to your life. The value to add to the lives of others is never diminished because God is with you. They could be lost, but we're not lost. We're found. <laughs> We're not lost, we're, that, that sounds almost crew. Um, we're not lost, we're, that's it, I'm found. And we never left. And that's the good thing. And those are the things we must keep in mind. No matter where we travel in our life, we're always safe in his arms. And we'll never find ourselves in want. <laughs> Amen? Let's stand. Father, thank you for how you have blessed us. Thank you for the blessings that have come to our lives and how that we are in want, never in want. We thank you that you have kept us all these years. We thank you for the keeping power of your spirit not only today but tomorrow. And so, Lord, no matter what we're going to face, no matter what is before us, God, you are there to give us your divine strength. Thank you, Lord. The lost has been found. We are yours for an eternity. We rejoice in your presence and in your love. You accept that? Amen. Amen. God bless you.